Hi everybody, it's uh, Karun Chandok. Um, I'm in my camper van, very glamorous here at Le Mans in the paddock. Um, just watched the Canadian Grand Prix. That was a bit exciting. Uh, well, towards the end, certainly. I mean, what can you say first of all about Lewis Hamilton? Absolutely devastating qualifying lap. I think that was probably one of the best laps in I've, I've seen from him, really, to take pole position. His 64th, 65th pole, lots of emotions with Senna story and all the rest of it. Um, and, and I thought that was just a, a lap really befitting of anybody who's going to equal someone like Senna's record. Um, you know, his commitment through that final chicane in particular um, was pretty stellar. But, I mean, the whole lap just looks so hooked up. I think, you know, you had Q1, Q2... Well, look, nip and tuck between between Ferrari and him. But that first round of Q3 where he went bang, you know, just such a big jump ahead. I was just looking at the times here on my computer. Um, you know, such a big jump ahead into the 11s. And then second round again, an 11-4. Um, pretty amazing stuff. And, you know, to be really seven tenths ahead of your teammate on a track... One of the shortest laps in terms of lap time, certainly of the season, probably the shortest actually. Now, um, you know, that, that, it was just a superlative performance. And then once we got, once we got to the race, he made the start and he was gone. You know, there was just, I think we, I watched the whole race and I think I saw Lewis maybe after the virtual safety car, we saw him thrice before the checkered flag. It was, it was, he was just so far gone. And really, for, for Valtteri, I think. Uh, there's a lot of questions asked. Sorry, I'm just moving the screen. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered, you know, from his side. Finished nearly 20 seconds behind Lewis. One race after he blitzed him in Monaco. That's a, you know, that's a hell of a comeback from Hamilton. And it just shows why he and Vettel will carry on being the two A-listers that fight for this world championship all the way till Abu Dhabi. Um... On to Ferrari, I mean, the start was just a nightmare. And the, the first lap, it all fell apart. You know, Seb's front wing and then Kimi losing track position. Uh, dropping it on the grass, coming out of six and nearly into the wall. Uh, you know, and then they got in this battle with the Force Indias. Just a messy, messy opening three or four laps. And then it just... And that compromises, you know, the margins are so small. And, and certainly in Montreal... You know, straight line speed of paramount importance. If you haven't got the straight line speed, then you know you're you're in trouble because you can't overtake. It doesn't matter how quick you are through the lap, you can't overtake. And you know, we we saw that um, against the Force Indias, Kimi was just sort of stuck there and he he never quite had the pace. And they changed tires. And um, you know, if you haven't got that straight line pace, Sebastian's you know stuff towards the end. I'm gonna come on to Sebastian. Showed why you had to be a bit risky. But overall, I think Ferrari would be disappointed. You know, certainly after Friday, they looked like they were the quickest cars. Saturday looked very close in FP3. But then when we got to qualifying, um, they weren't quite there. And I think they'd be a bit disappointed with the way the weekend panned out from from the end of FP3 onwards. Because they would have really fancied their chances. But that's how life goes. Um, they'll have to bounce back from here. Um, you know, we're going to... Azerbaijan in two weeks' time, and um, you know, again, we'll have to see big, big straight line there. But then you've got all those 
tricky breaking zones and 90 degree corners. So we'll have to see how that whole battle unfolds. After talk about Force India, I think that was a, an amazing race and just the, the the drama around potential for team orders between Ocon and, and Checo. I think it's a tricky dynamic there because you have to keep in mind Checo brings a reasonable amount of sponsorship to the team and therefore it's quite tricky to have to dictate terms to him and you have to see, you know, I, I've known Checo, I was his driver coach back in F3 in 2007 or 8 probably, so I've known Checo nearly a decade now, he's a, he's a great guy but he's a hard competitor and I, I, I knew from that first phone call that was made about moving over, there was no way he was going to do it, there's just no chance because that's just not who he is and in a way I think he's right, you know, you know, you wouldn't have seen Senna move over, you wouldn't have seen Lewis move over, you don't see Seb, you don't see, you know, Michael, um, never, you know, they don't give any quarter and I think they, you're fighting for your position in the team. Ultimately, it cost the team because it allowed Seb to get ahead of both cars and possibly allowed Ricardo to break away as well. So, you know, in the end, it, it cost Force India as a team, but as an individual, I think that's quite a hard call to make um, and really for Force India I think it would have been hard to force the issue because as I said it's a slightly tricky position with Checo um, being a driver who brings funding to the team um, but I thought Ocon drove a great race you know to finish well I'm looking at the stats now two tenths of a second behind Checo that's so close and I think he drove a great race you know a rookie uh, who carries on to be probably um, you know the outstanding rookie of the year if you compare with with people like Van Dorn and Stroll and stuff, and even Palmer struggling against Hulkenberg. Um, you know, clearly Ocon, uh, along with um, Max Verstappen, have, have shown to be two of the the best talents to have arrived in F1 in, in recent times, I think. Uh, but on to Stroll himself, I thought he drove a great race, um, getting his first points in ninth. Uh, he was feisty, he, had, he didn't have a good qualifying, he obviously down in 18th, but... He picked his way through the drama on the opening lap, got himself into a reasonable position and then, you know, made some good moves but also was patient. You know, when when the moves weren't there to be had, he backed out of it. And I thought he showed good judgment and maturity and patience there, which, um, you know, I think hopefully he can build on that and go forward because that was actually a very good race. Um, managed the tyres uh, well and he... You know, it's a tricky track for brakes, and we know he's had brake issues in Melbourne and a couple of other places this year. And I thought he did a good job to just manage his race well and deserve those points in front of his home crowd. So I think that was a really, really good effort from him. And and you know, he's been a busy boy. I know there's been a lot of pressure on him and around the build-up to the Canadian Grand Prix, and the pressure's been building through the season on his performances relative to Massa. And overall, I thought that was a really good strong performance for him so we'll see how he can build from here qualifying is obviously the ultimate thing now that he needs to beat you know he needs to start getting within two or three tenths of Felipe rather than the six seven eight tenths and um, I'll be interested to see how much progress uh, he makes on that Hulkenberg in the points again good race for him and Renault um, Haas snuck in the points and I mean what can you say about Fernando again another engine but his brilliance came forward once again as he 
you know, he's judging his piece based on what Ferrari are doing. He's looking at, well, okay, hang on, the Ferrari in front isn't pulling away as much, the one behind isn't catching as quickly, so super soft may not be working, let's try the soft. I mean, the man's just got such brilliant, um, a, a brilliant way of handling the race and reading the race and seeing how the race unfolds. He could be a strategist, really. I mean, it is absolutely amazing how he can do that. Um, and it just shows how the car's not befitting of a man of his talent. And hopefully, you know, that situation will resolve itself. It sounds more and more likely like the head, McLaren and Honda are heading for divorce and there's going to be a Mercedes engine in the back of that car uh, one way or the other. And really, for the sake of Formula One, I think it's sad that Honda haven't been able to achieve what they set out to but for the sake of f1 we want to see mclaren and fernando alonso back up at the front fighting um really got to mention max verstappen before i wrap up because at start and then opening few corners was stellar and he really deserved a result and you know he was holding his own ahead of bottas i think bottas would have had a tough cha tough challenge to get ahead of max so i think i think um really Felt really sorry for Max because he deserved some points. Anyway, uh, I've got a big week ahead of me. Got obviously Hero Le Mans for the 24 hours, uh, biggest race of the year for me. And um, we got uh, it's a long week, so I'm here in this camper van um, for the next seven nights or whatever. Um, and uh, we got practice qualifying Wednesday night, Thursday night, uh, day off on Friday, and then obviously 24 hours over the weekend. So um, We'll see how it goes. We're in a slightly tricky situation because our chassis isn't with the Ligier is not quite as competitive as the Orica that we're competing against in LMP2. But we'll do the best we can and a lot happens in a 24-hour race. So uh, speak to you then.